Good to be, good to be here and to, to be a part of that. Good to be back uh, today. We were, we were gone last Sunday. The week leading up to last Sunday, we had our scheduled uh, vacation for this summer. And I think as most of you know, we ended up uh, spending most of our vacation actually in Houston with uh, Karen's family and the, the passing of her father. And I've, I've said this once, but guys, just so much. I just wanted to reiterate again how much it's meant to Karen and I. And, and really, Karen, you're just notes and cards and words of encouragement have just really been overwhelming uh, with your love and really carried her and, and us both through this time. So thank you very much for that. It, uh, good, good to be back today. And you know, it was planned, but not really planned, this kind of three-week hiatus that we ended up with in, in Revelation, uh, where, where it now has actually been back in June when we were last in a message in, in Revelation. But we're, we're back today. We're on course. As a matter of fact, at at the end of the message, when you leave here in a few moments, we're halfway. Today is message number 12 of 24, so uh, starting next week, we're, we're taking it to the barn, uh, just like three more months to go. But uh, last time, which we would have been outside in the field, uh, we, were in, we were at a break in the action in between the sixth and the seventh seal. And, and today we are kind of in the same place. We're in a break in the action in between the sixth and the seventh trumpet. You remember when we were kind of introducing the book, you kind of move, you know, there's a movement of time, there's things advancing, and then you stop and get supplemental information. And then you pick up and go again. And a lot of that is between the judgments. And so we, uh, we did, we looked at all the judgments at once one warm Sunday out in the field. And, uh, we did all that. But so now we're coming back and we're seeing that impl- supplemental information that kind of lands in those places. And really some of what we said in between the sixth and the seventh seal, we would say today in this between the sixth and the seventh trumpet being this, God's grace is still at work. You can still be saved. That's good news, but it comes to an end. There is a day when what's going on ends. That's kind of hard to imagine. You know, even, even those of us that we believe in the return of the Lord, we, we believe the, the world as we know it right now, we believe all that ends. But then it's just so natural to think, you know, there's always going to be tomorrow. I mean, you just thousands and thousands and thousands of years of human history, you just kind of, you know, tomorrow will become the next day, will become next week, will become next month, will become 150 years from now. While it's natural to think that way, there is an end. And we're getting very close to it as we come to Revelation chapter 10. I'm going to throw this out there. We'll see if it's true. One of the most encouraging chapters in the Bible. My guess is when you're down, when you're discouraged, when you need a little pick-me-up in God's Word... You've never turned to Revelation chapter 10 for that. We go to a psalm or we go to a favorite verse. But I think you're going to find today that Revelation 10 has always had just the message that you need. Let's look at it. Revelation chapter 10. Go to the end of your Bible to find Revelation and then chapter 10 in there. It's a short chapter. I'm going to read all of it. Of course, I've read a lot of these, whether they were short or not, but this is a shorter chapter. Chapter 10, verse 1. It says there, then I saw another mighty angel 
coming down. You know, he says another, like, you know, I mean, there's just angels everywhere in Revelation. <laughs> and there really are. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, surrounded by a cloud with a rainbow over his head. His face shone like the sun and his feet were like pillars of fire. And in his hand was a small scroll that had been opened. He stood with his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. He gave a great shout like the roar of a lion. And when he shouted, the seven thunders answered. When the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write. Obviously, they said said something that John said, I got to get this down. But then look what happens. I heard a voice from heaven saying, keep it secret. When When the seven thunders said, and do not write it down. Then the angel I saw standing on the scene on the land raised his right hand toward heaven. He's standing there like this. He swore an oath in the name of the one who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens and everything in them, the earth and everything in it, the sea and everything in it. And he said, this is what he's swearing to, there will be no more delay. When the seventh angel blows his trumpet, God's mysterious plan will be fulfilled. It will happen just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. Then the voice from heaven spoke to me again, go and take and open the scroll or go and take the open scroll from the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and the land. So I went to the angel and I told him to give me this small scroll. Yes, take it and eat it eat it, okay? It will be sweet as honey in your mouth, but it will turn sour in your stomach. I love when we learn about things out in life that we found out actually came from the Bible. This is the the original sweet and sour recipe that started right here in the scriptures. I thought you'd find that interesting. So I took the small scroll from the hand of the angel and I ate it. It was sweet in my mouth, but when I swallowed it, it turned sour, it turned bitter in my stomach. Then I was told, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. So chapter 10, I find a very intriguing chapter. When you and I go to Revelation, when we open that book up, we're usually looking for something, and chapter 10 has none of that. I mean, when we open up Revelation, we're wanting to see the Antichrist, the mark of the beast, the second, the second coming of the Lord. We're looking for some big dramatic moments. And, and chapter 10 doesn't really hold any of those things. And yet, there's a lot of really intriguing things going on. I mean, just like the whole eating of this scroll thing, right? I mean, what, what, what is that all about? He calls it a little scroll. I think part of describing its size is maybe to differentiate it from the, cause there's another big scroll in Revelation, right? That was the scroll the father handed the son in Revelation chapter 5. And so I I think this is differentiating. This is not the same scroll as what Jesus took from the father in chapter 5, but it it is this scroll and and he was told to eat it. And and, and I think, and that may literally have happened, but I think the the symbolism, the idea behind that is anything in the Bible that's described as eating, the, the, the point there is you trust. You know, when the Bible says, taste, taste, and see that the Lord is good. And the idea of ingesting, of putting something in your mouth, is that you trust it, right? You don't put anything, if you have any, whether you're right or wrong, if you don't trust what you're holding in your hand, you're not putting it in your mouth, are you? No, you, you have to trust something to put it in your mouth. And guess what? When we 
who trust God's word, when we ingest that, it's sweet. Man, God's word is sweet to our lives. It is sweet in our lives. David said, the more you ingest it, because it's an acquired taste, right? It's an acquired taste. The more we read it, the more we trust it, the more we're in it. David says it becomes like honey. It becomes like honey on our lips. So it's sweet to ingest, but now where is it? Okay, now it's, it's in here, and, and there's this idea of coming back up and out. Well, look at, look at the last verse. You're going to have to leave this moment of ingesting, and you're going to have to go prophesy to the nations. Well, while God's word is sweet to those who trust it, it's not sweet to those who've rejected it. It's bitter. It's sour. It says something about their lives that they do not want to hear, that, that they reject. And so what reads is really kind of weird, is really kind of simple and straightforward, isn't it? And, and then you have this angel here. I mean, wow, what, what is going on with... This angel is described in such a way, you almost wonder, this, is this an angel or something more? I mean, like, is this... It's almost described as like God has been described in some other passages of Revelation. And I think part of what's happening here is just a reminder how incredibly awesome, how incredibly majestic the angelic realm really is. And and as I already pointed, I love it. He says, and another angel. 66 times in the book of Revelation, angels show up. Now, I mean, there's you know, the Gospels bring us angels, Daniel brings us angels, Genesis brings us angels, but no other book of the Bible even is, is, is comparable to the amount of angelic activity that is going on in Revelation. And we see them doing literally everything else that the Scripture shows us angels doing. They are ministering, they are serving, they're worshiping and praising, they're delivering message. Of course, they're battling evil forces. And so, a lot of angelic activity. And and this is specifically about one angel speaking to the believers of this time, of the tribulation. But it's a message he wants you to leave home with today. Or to go home with today, not leave home, you're already here. Uh, to, to, to go home with today. You know, something else really intriguing about this is this whole seven thunders speaking. Now, I kind of take the thunders, to be honest with you, as an adjective, not a noun. That there are seven voices thundering. We, we've sometimes referred to somebody's voice as, but they, they're thunderous in their tone. They speak with thundering. So there's, there's something happening here where these angel or these, these voices speak. And, and John thinks it's, oh, but that's clearly something I need to be writing down. And a voice from heaven says, ah, don't write that down. I, I, I don't want, I don't want those folks at the heights in 2020 to know what was said here. To which I think, what? What's, what's that all about? <laughs> Probably not the biggest question in Revelation, but I mean, it's not nice to tell secrets. Not while I'm watching, right? You know, the, the funny thing is, I don't actually mind not knowing what was said. But I do wonder, why did God show me something being said, only to tell me that I know I can't know what was said? You know, you can... You can run across more than one verse in the Bible where you go, huh? Why is, why is that? It seems like I'm being left out here. You know what, what we do here in a place like this, folks, is we, one word, we sing about it today, we trust God's goodness. God is good. 
Let me say that again. God is good. His thoughts are good. His words are good. His actions are good. His character is good. God does not meet the definition of good. The definition of good meets God. God is not submit to the definition of good. He is good. There's never a moment, a place, a time where that's not happening. So whatever is happening here, I like it or I don't like it. I feel left out. It leaves me wondering the reality is God's being good in this moment. He is being good for me. He is being good for you. He's being good for us and not letting us hear that. I have no idea why, but I trust God's, I trust God's goodness. Whatever is being said here, I don't need it. I don't need it to know the Lord. I don't need it to follow and walk with the Lord. I don't need it to grasp what is going on in Revelation. Okay, but then why did he let us? I don't know, but I trust his goodness. Amen. Okay, so a lot of, for a short chapter, there's a lot of things going on here, aren't there? But I want to focus today on verses 5 through 7. Such an encouraging word. And again, when I, I think when we think of the book of Revelation, encouragement's not the first word that comes to our mind. We're, we're coming here for information, to learn, to understand, to, to get a timeline, to all, but we don't think of necessarily encouragement. And yet, this chapter right here is the angel speaking to those believers that are living in the tribulation, but it's a message that's just as true for you and I today. A message very simply, folks, is that God has a plan. God has a plan for you. He has a plan for our world. And here's the message, and it will be accomplished. As as a matter of fact, again, as we're looking there at verses 5 and 7, you know, we've got this angel standing here. Why is he doing it? I mean, if you see me standing like this, what do you assume I'm doing? I mean, you know, you could be a hundred yards away. And if I'm standing, I mean, this is, this is kind of a symbol, isn't it? I mean, you know, you may not know why or what, but you, I'm, I'm taking an oath. I'm swearing in some, something like that. Well, obviously what this looks like today, it, it, it meant the same thing right here. He is swearing. And, and the background or, or his basis for giving this testimony, I love this. I think you can call this angel an expert witness. The, the basis of his testimony is the one who has all authority and power in the past, all authority and power in the present, and will in the end. He has a presence and a power that guarantees that he can do what he sets out to do. He can accomplish what he is here to accomplish. And, and, and you know what, folks? You and I will doubt that sometimes. I mean, I, I, I imagine what I just said, by and large, across this room, online, at Midlothian. We all accept that. That's our faith. That's our trust. But we're also going to go through times in life. We're going to be in the middle of situations where we wonder, God, you, you do have a plan here, right, Lord? God, you do win. It sure, sure feels like evil's winning the day. Here's the encouragement, folks. When you're dealing with that fear, that frustration, that anxiety, go to chapter 10 and hear this angel again swearing to you. God has a plan. God has a plan and it will be accomplished. Now, of course, what he's telling us about this plan now, there's a timing to it. There will be no more delay. 
There is nothing between me standing here and swearing this to you and the final dramatic moment that is going to bring a conclusion. Think of this, folks. Thousands and thousands of years of human history. And we are right here at the place as there's nothing down the way to the final dramatic conclusion. Now, again, you remember how the, the judgments work. That is most of the timeline. You've got seven seals that, that those first six seals may have taken a year, a year and a half. Then we get to the seventh seal, and it's seven more judgments. It's the trumpet judgments. We go through six trumpets. Remember, the, the six trumpets are right behind the angel. That's just happened. Again, we don't quite know the timing that it would have taken, but we assume some time. Three months, six months, 15 months for all those trumpets to unfold. And then the seventh trumpet blows and it's seven more judgments. But this time, and you may remember me saying this out there in the field back in June, the seven bold judgments happen in rapid fire succession. As a matter of fact, it's not like, okay, bowl number one and then a little time out. Bowl number two, they might all be happening on top of each other. One, two, three, four, could all happen in one day. And, and so where we are now, I mean, you look down your Bible, well, we're only in chapter 10. There's 12 more chapters to go. We are weeks, if not even days, away from the second coming. So, it, I mean, we are right, everything in human history is moving to this point right here. And let me tell you something I love about this. I don't fancy myself an English major, but here's a place to love grammar. Because the angel is talking about all of this in the past tense. He's talking about it as if it happened yesterday. Clearly, this is a future event that the angel is giving us. But it is so sure, it is so certain, it's as if it's as good as done. I think the angel would say to us, this moment is more real than the reality you're living in today. This is more real than the very thing you are in the midst of. You can make, let me scratch that, you should make decisions in light of this day, right? I mean, we make all kinds of decisions based on what happened yesterday, based on what we think is going to happen this week. We should be making decisions based on this moment right here. Decisions, what kind of decisions? Decisions to obey. Decisions to have faith. We'll see in a moment decisions to keep going. Now, verse 7. I, I love that this phrase here, uh, God's mysterious plan. There's one, there's one translation of verse 7 that says God's hidden plan. I like that phrase, God's hidden plan. And I like that because hidden is a bad translation of that. It's, it's not hidden. It's a mystery. Now, when, when we use the word mystery in our language, in our culture, I mean, if, if, if I said, hey, let me get back with you. Let me see what I can find out. And, and then we run into each other tomorrow and say, man, you know, I checked. That's just a mystery. I, I, if you hear me say something's a mystery, you hear me saying, I don't know. And, and not only do I not know, but I don't anticipate knowing. It's, it's confusing. It's clouded. I, we, we just don't understand. It, it's, just, it's just a mystery. We just accept that we're not really going to know. That is not how the Greek word mystery in the Greek New Testament is used. A mystery is something that can be known. I can know it. I can understand it. But only if God reveals it. 
In other words, this is not something I'm going to come to know by my intuition. It's not something I'm going to figure out because of my knowledge. It's not something I'm going to research or I'm going to discover. I'm going to dig to the bottom and get it. I can know it, but only if God reveals it. Only if God gives it to me to know. That's how the word mystery is used in the, not just here in Revelation, but, but throughout the New Testament. And folks, here is the mystery. Are you ready for it? And when I say mystery, folks, I'm not talking about the mystery of Revelation. I'm talking about the, the mystery of the human story. I, I'm talking about the mystery of our existence. I'm talking about the, the mystery of all of time. Are you ready for it? Here it is. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He has all control, all authority, and all power. Here's the mystery. But for a time period, for a season... For his good purposes. Remember, God's good. I can't always see it, understand it, but what I hold on to is his goodness. For his good purposes, he has allowed a rule of Satan. He has allowed an existence of sin. You and I would naturally, you know, Lord, if you'd have taken care of the Satan sin thing right up front, we wouldn't have all these problems. So that, 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 that's the mystery. He has allowed that. And allowed means it's under his rule. God limits, God restricts what Satan can do. He limits, he restricts the impact and consequences of sin. He limits that. But, but let's be honest. There's enough of Satan's rule. There's enough of sin's impact that sometimes you, you and I can't tell that it's being limited and restricted, can we? I mean, sometimes it really feels like, wow, Lord, evil's winning the day. Wow, Lord, I can't, I can't tell you have any plan going on here. I can't, I can't tell you have any control going on here. And that's where we come back to Revelation 10 and we let that angel swear to us again. God has that plan. Now, this is something God says, you know, that this is, he's not just showing John this for the man. I've, I've given this to the prophets all down through the ages. The prophets have known of this. I guess you, we might call it a tension between good and evil. And, and think how many religions, sometimes even we, picture in our mind this battle between God and Satan. Picture this battle between good and evil. Folks, there's no battle. God is not suiting up today for a big battle. I would say there's spiritual warfare going on in this room right now. Spiritual warfare online. Spiritual warfare as we interact with God's word. But God's not sweating. God doesn't say, just give me, give me, give me three minutes. Let me catch my breath. <laughs> God's not in a battle. Okay. This is what he is allowing for a season. And, and the, and the prophets heard that message. They knew there's this tension between good and evil, but God is always in control. But you know what? Even knowing that and believing that, and I trust a lot of us, we do anchor our lives to that truth, doesn't change the fact that you and I can go through times and go through situations where, where man, we just get worn out. We get worn out in the battle. We get worn out with the world that we're in. I mean, the same prophets that knew this truth and preached this truth had some tough questions about that truth. David said, God, do you reject your people forever? Job just dealt with the entire concept of, of suffering in general. Habakkuk honed it in a little bit more and said, hey, Lord, as I'm looking at your great plan, it sure seems like good people suffer and the evil flourish. I, I, God, I'm not seeing it. 
Jeremiah. God, is there any comfort at all? Any, I'm not asking for a lot. I'm not asking for an answer. I'm not asking for everything to be fixed. Is there just a little break? Is there a little comfort in this at all? Now, these guys asking these questions deeply believe in the Lord, deeply understand this mystery. They, they, they believe it. They understand it. They communicate it. They live it. But you and I can go through times. You and I can go through situations. They did it where... What, what we feel in our lives, the emotions that we're feeling are very real for rejection, for pain and suffering, for injustice. I, I think some of it is just weariness. I'm just tired. It, it, so many of those questions come not at the front end of the problem, but having dealt with the problem over and over and they're over and they're just weary. And so what we're seeing here in between the sixth and the seventh trumpet was similar to what we looked at in the sixth, between the sixth and the seventh seal, where we see these saints crying out, how long? My gosh, how long do we have to pray about this? How, how long do we have to hold on? And clearly, for thousands of years, we've heard God say, No, not yet. Wait, not yet. Wait, no. And the angel swears to us. But there's a day when he says, Now. There's a day when he says, right now. Do you have something like that? Maybe something like those prophets we're talking about? You have something going on like that in your life? Man, there's all kinds of, of ways we can come to this weariness. All kinds of ways we can come to this, this place of frustration. You know, I was thinking about this on a, on a personal level. And some of this even related to, to being with Karen's family and the the funeral. I mean, Karen and I have had a couple of things, family-related, ministry-related, that we have prayed about, not for years, we've prayed about for decades. And either saw not resolved or get worse. And I, I'm assuming I'm not alone in the room here. I'm, I'm assuming there's others. You've not only prayed about something a lot, you've prayed about it for decades. And And nothing. I mean, that, that wears on the faith, doesn't it? That, that, that makes you tired. You know, I, I, thinking about some present things, you know, is what we're going through right now. Uh, yeah, you know, we're all kind of, go, you know, things are being canceled and changed and, and redone. And, and some of it's really big things. I mean, I would have, I would have I, for four years, dreaming about, looking forward to seeing Randy graduate at, at West Point, would have never dreamed I wouldn't be there, that I wouldn't see. I mean, other than I'm dead. And I figure at that point, well, I'm probably okay anyway, so I'm, I've gotten over it. But uh, I, I just would have, I would have never dreamed. And so, you know what, we have hits like that in life, right, where we lose something. But then what do we do? We try to kind of regroup and regather ourselves. Well, now we're looking out here at the, at the fall, and it, and it just keeps coming. And, and so, I mean, gosh, Karen and I love going up to West Point and being a part of that experience. And some, we don't even care about the boys that much, to be honest with you. We just like being, being there and doing some of these things. And we already, some of this has been planned for, we had, we had three events for the rest of this year that we were going to get to be a, a part of. And two of the three are gone. They won't happen. 
And the third, guess what my confidence in that is? You know what? I'm not even going to tell you what they are because they're just not that important. Not with some of the things you're dealing with. Not with what's going on out there in the world. It's not how big and important these things were. It's just that, man, they were, they were hopes. They were a part of our story. They were a part of what we were doing. And it's just like one little disappointment after another. Sometimes it's not the big thing that you collide with. It's just one thing after another. Not working out. And that... That gets weary, doesn't it? It just wears on you. It makes those questions about God and to God really start to gain some speed and, and gain some strength and some life. And of course, not everything we're dealing with is just on a personal level. Some is just looking out at the world we live in and thinking, oh my God, is anybody in control? Does anybody have the keys to what is going on? Right? How many prayers would you guess? have gone up to heaven in the last six months? How how many prayers for healing, for an answer, for a fix, for justice, for peace, for unity? And right now, I mean, in a lot of ways, I think, well, either A, it's not getting answered, or B, it's getting worse. That's That's a lot of prayers. You know, I was thinking, what prayer, what prayer has been prayed the most? What prayer has heaven heard more than any other in the history of man. And, and I thought, well, okay, it would have to come, it'd have to come from the Lord's prayer, right? I mean, that's probably one prayer that every believer has prayed. Now let's, let's do the math on this just for, just for a second. So there's roughly a billion, maybe a little more than a billion believers on the earth today. Of course, human population has grown. It had, had always been billions of people on the planet. That's a very recent occurrence. But we have a, a billion plus believers. Maybe all of the time before that, maybe would add up to another billion. I, I don't know. But let's, can we front on just say there's two, two and a half billion believers in Christian history? Now, uh, uh, assuming that almost all of them know the Lord's Prayer. Almost all of them would have heard that at one point, and they themselves prayed it at least once. My guess is most believers have prayed the Lord's Prayer more times than they can count, right? I couldn't tell you how many times I've, I've prayed. I, my guess would be it would be thousands, thousands of times that I alone have prayed that. So let's pick one line out of the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come. I think it would be safe to say that heaven has heard its people cry out that prayer well over a trillion times. Maybe plural? Trillions of times we have said, Thy kingdom come! As we get worn out by the kingdom that we live in. Does it? Does it come, Lord? Does it happen? (laughs) Just seems like everything goes... You know, I'm glad you asked. Where are we? The angel just told us the sixth trumpet has already blown. The seventh is about to blow. You want to hear it blow? Look at chapter 11, verse 15. Chapter 11, verse 15. Then the seventh angel... Blew his trumpet. And there was loud voices. Shouting in heaven. 
the world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. Can we have an hallelujah? Hallelujah. His kingdom will come. That prayer will be answered. Man, I don't know about y'all. That charges me up. And I think God shows us. He sets us up with chapter 10. He gives us chapter 11, verse 15, to give us encouragement, to make us courageous. And you know what? Right here in this moment right now, I am encouraged. And I do feel a little more courageous. But we're going to say amen and go home. And we're, we're going we're to sign off online. <laughs> and, and some of us, maybe many of us, on some level, in some form or fashion... We're going to leave and we're going to go back to brokenness. We're going to go back to disappointment. We're we're going to go back to stress. We're going to go back to suffering. We're going to go back to just the weariness of it all. God, I, God, I, I want to be encouraged by the truth that this angel swearing to me that your kingdom is coming. I want to be encouraged by that. I want to be courageous because of that. But how? How? I'm tired. I'm worn out. There's too many prayers in the not yet answered column. You know, God answered that question for the saints in the tribulation. I I think I've said a couple of times during our, our study of Revelation, listen, believers throughout Christian history have died for their faith, been tortured for their faith, watched their loved ones be killed and tortured. It, there's people who've, it's been very difficult. And yet with all that history, with all that reality, no group as a group, no group of followers, followers will suffer like those who come to Christ during the tribulation. So they really can ask, hey, Lord, I'm tired. I'm physically, spiritually, emotionally exhausted to think about going back out there tomorrow with the Antichrist ruling on this earth. And and this is what God says to him. Look at it, folks. Revelation 13, 10. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness. On the part of the saints. You know that's kind of a way of saying. I'm not fixing it yet. It's not over yet. And I do expect you to go back out there. And endure. What that means is. You can't. I can't. We can't quit. You can't quit praying. You can't quit reading your Bible. You can't quit trying to obey that Bible. You can't quit serving. You can't quit ministering. You can't, you can't quit worshiping. You can't quit giving thanks. You can't quit loving. You can't quit forgiving. You can't quit. Does that seem like a lot for the Lord to ask? I swear, the kingdom is coming. Endure. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, I, I pray we are I pray we are just such a people. Lord, I pray for, for all of us who've gathered here today, here in person, online. God, I pray our gathering, I pray our worship, Lord, may it fuel, may it feed, may it encourage, may it embolden our souls to endure one more week, to not quit. And Lord, as this angel swears to us, I pray your kingdom coming is more real to us than the things we can touch and smell and see and feel right in front of us. May nothing be more real to us than that trumpet blowing and the kingdom of this world becoming the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.